Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. All right, we are about to jump into another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. And uh, it's kind of cool because this is a, a topic that I really wanted to talk about because it's a question that I've been asked often over the years. How do I get started in hiking? I really want to get out. I want to go on some runs. I want to go on some hikes. I wanted to have these adventures. But I think a lot of times women can feel intimidated to go and do this on their own, whether it's just out of inexperience of having done these things in the past or unfamiliar with the territory. So on today's episode, I got to sit down and chat with a good girlfriend of mine, Krista Magnuson out of Washington, and she is a total badass when it comes to climbing, mountaineering. Um, She's got a lot of these big summits under her belt, and it was just great to sit down and talk to her. So on this episode, we begin by just kind of talking about our kids and how to nurture their passion for life, whether that be, you know, become something where they're outdoors and hunting or exploring or going on hikes and climbs, um, but really just how to nurture their experiences And I think sometimes as parents, it can be hard because the things that we are really um, into, the things that um, have a burning desire in us, sometimes we want our kids to do and enjoy as well, but that's not always the case. So we really just kind of talk about how to do that in a way that promotes them to enjoy those experiences without pushing them too much. And then we, uh, of course, jump into the topic of getting comfortable with getting outdoors and initiating this uh, this ability to go out and do these solo adventures. And we talk about how to do it safely, ways to go about it that is going to put you in the best position for having enjoyable hikes, enjoyable runs and climbs, and uh, you know making sure that you're going about it in a safe way, which is awesome. We also talk a little bit about food essentials, what should go into your essentials pack, And uh, she has created a couple checklists that I linked to in the show notes where you can go over and print those out and you can use them um, and just kind of keep them for reference before you take any of your adventures. So um, go ahead, dive into this. Let us know if you have any questions and I will give you a heads up. There is going to be a follow-up to this podcast that I did with Krista coming next week. I did it with Jaden Bales. He um, works for Backcountry Fuel. And so that topic uh, next week is going to be all about nutrition for hiking and for the backcountry. So we get into some more specifics on what your needs are. So that is going to be something that you can look forward to next week. I also have to take a minute to give a special shout out to each and every single one of the ladies that attended Ladies Weekend. Every one of you spoke to my soul, encouraged me, and inspired me to be a better version of myself, to stand up with other women, and to live with my passions leading the way. Thank you so much to every one of you who came, and I am seriously looking forward to the next Ladies Weekend coming August 3rd and 4th. You all are a huge piece of my journey, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate each and every one of you. If you're a listener, a client, or just somebody whose path I may cross someday, you are a part of my journey.
I am sitting here in my office. I've got Krista Magnuson on the other line. She is a badass. She is like leading the way in badassery, actually. Um, And a dear friend of mine and somebody I got connected with about three and a half years ago now, I think, um, over at Train to Hunt. Maybe it was two and a half years ago. I don't know. It's so good knowing you, Krista. Time just flies. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad to know you. I had these awesome people running next to me and trained to hunt and me and Christy are like who are these really cool people that are like running next to us giving us water and sure enough (laughs) you and Steven it was us just coming over there to say hi yeah so that was over at the Oregon um trained to hunt when it was at Gilcrest and yeah, we couldn't be there to compete that weekend. We were actually working over at another event that was like, I think 45 minutes to an hour away. And we're like, we have to get over there and see everybody and go share some love and see how everyone's doing. It's just so hard not to compete in that event when you're there. It's so much fun. Oh my gosh, I bet. But it was super fun though. It was great to meet you there. So I had just recently come across, I think maybe your profile on Facebook or Instagram via Wilderness Athlete, and they were highlighting you. And I was like, this chick is awesome. Like she is getting it done. Um, at the time you just had your son. And um, I was like, this is awesome because I love when people just have like they have every excuse in the world to like not just go hardcore or like go do the things that they want to do because they're busy or they've got kids or whatever, you know, but you were just like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I've got my son on my back. You guys were like hiking around and I just saw little glimpses of your life. And I was like, this chick is super cool. I've got to figure out a little bit more about you. So it was funny that that same weekend I ended up running into you and Christy at the, uh, at the event. Yeah. You're right. That's that's the weekend. I I only had our son, so now we have our daughter as well. And I feel like it's almost like a different kind of motivated having kids because you also only get so much time. You know, like I try to incorporate them in everyday like workouts or just you know when we go out shooting and things like that. But it's you know you only get whatever you know time frame they kind of allow until, you know, hungry or diapers need changed and things like that. So it's almost like I take advantage more of the time that I'm, um, like, outdoors or or running or, you know, whatever it is. I feel like it's just, like, a totally different kind of motivated, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. Because, you know, if you don't capitalize in that moment, like, this is my window of opportunity. And then before you know it, it's gone. And, you know, I'm I'm just bad. Like, I don't get to fill my cup. So I totally understand what that's like. But I think, you know, many of us miss that, like, miss the mark there. Because, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up into like something that needs to be done. Like if you if you're at home with your kids, or if you're working, and then you know, you come home, and it's like, I could go squeeze on 30 minutes. But so the dishes need done or their laundry's piled up or, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to like have the, the separation in like what needs to be done, like in, in housework or life and stuff like that. And I think sometimes we look at what we need to do as far as like our to-do list within ourselves, like our workouts, our time to meditate, our stretching or whatever, whatever that looks like to you. And sometimes it's not a priority to view that as like, this is also something that needs to be done. I think sometimes we can feel guilt about it. So it gets put off to like, that's selfish. So I need to make sure everything else is done before I take this time to go train or run or whatever. 
Um, yeah. And I feel like the running or the, the climbing or, you know, all those activities, hunting that, that really do fill my cup. It's like, I'm a better mother. I'm a better friend, a better wife. I'm just a better person when I have those things. Like when I get that time in, I come home and I'm just like, you know, I just, I feel like I'm just a, all around just better person when my cup is full in that way. It's easier to be present for sure. That's something that I notice if I'm neglecting the time that I need to refill my cup. So for me, I'm very much an introvert, which probably surprises some people, but I need quiet space. Um, so for me, if I go like go just go for a walk and I'm all by myself, there's no podcast, there's no music, there's no nothing. And I can just like listen to myself breathe and I can hear the birds. And all of a sudden, like my energy is so renewed and I can come back and just be like, I'm not distracted by thinking about other things or work or chores or anything like that. Like I'm so much more present with my family and my patience level, I notice goes way up when I've had that time for myself. Exactly. So tell me a little bit more about you and just kind of like your backstory, um, your family. So you're up in kind of northern Washington. I hate to butcher the name. Snohomish, is that where you're at? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, close to Snohomish. We're in like Gold Bar area, which is about, um, let's say like an hour, a little over an hour east of Seattle. And we're kind of like up by Leavenworth, Stevens Pass area, um, where we have you know, we have fishing and, you know, hunting just right there, which is perfect for us. Um, but, yeah, I grew up around the area. Um, grew up about an hour from here, so Kingston, Washington. And, um, yeah, I've just always been into the outdoors and sports. And my mom worked at, uh, like, Sage Fly Rod. So, you know, fly fishing was kind of always big growing up um, to this day. I'm still learning to fly fish but that's always like just something that's you know like been one of my one of my big to do's is to learn how to fly fish um but no I got into climbing um that was kind of my bigger I found climbing after high school and I would say that that was like my true passion um I actually was with a guy um he was the youngest American to summit Everest, you know, all this stuff. And I just was like, this is such a crazy world, you know, this new, this climbing world. And, um, after that, I just, I don't know. It was like, once I got introduced to the climbing world, I just wanted to conquer it. I guess I was drawn to it. I loved it. I loved every aspect of it. Um, so climbing's kind of always been the thing that just drew me in and, I've just kind of stayed in that world. I just, I, I love it. I can't get away from climbing. So like mountaineering aspect of things, um, rock climbing, ice climbing, it's all real fun, but I love to actually do like the mountaineering, um, like Rainier and Hood and Mount Baker. Um, those have been some amazing climbs and I don't know. I feel really blessed that I was able to learn from the best um, at such an early age and, um, carry that, you know, I've been able to carry it into my, you know, adult life. And I was able to get my husband, like we were able to summit Rainier together, which was amazing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel really blessed. I'm really excited to take our kids on really neat adventures as well. Like when they're ready, but 
they'll be a little while longer, but, you know, just really excited to get them out and climbing and hunting and just all of those things. Definitely. So So. it's funny that you mentioned like bringing the kids out there because it's, I think those things in life that we're so drawn to and we have such a connection to it's, it's like ultimately like when you're doing it, you just like envision having your kids out there and like, I always wonder, like, what will my kids think of this? Like, I am connected to this, but will they, you know, be drawn to it? Will this be something that they enjoy doing? Um, And was it like two weekends ago now for my birthday, you all surprised me over in Central Oregon at the base of South Sister, and we ended up climbing it the next morning. Um, But there was a little tyke up there. He, He looked younger to me than he was, but I guess he was nine or maybe he just turned 10. And, um, oh, he's, yeah. he's got his pack and he's, you know, he's got his gaiters and his spikes on and he's got his ice axe and his, in his bag. And he's just climbing away. Like there's adults that are complaining and he's just like, do, 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 you know, just climbing up there. And at the, he was so awesome. <laughs> yeah. He was super cute. And so up about the, the midway point or so, actually, no, we were probably three quarters of the way up. We stopped there at the lake. And, um, we're sitting there and he's just climbing around. He's got his ice, ice axe cause he's climbing around the ice and, um, his mom, you know, I started talking to her and we all kind of just started chatting with her and she's like, yeah, this is his, I can't remember 12th, 12th big summit. And he did a double on St. Helens like a couple weeks ago and just, just crazy stuff, you know, things that people don't typically envision a 10 year old going on these like pretty pretty big hikes, you know, these good summits. Um, so it was really neat to see that, but it's all like a matter like your kids will know that, like, that'll be a part of, of really just like their childhood and what they know growing up. And we're all kind of subject to like what our parents' influences are. Do you ever like think about like, what if they just don't dig this? And, you know, like, how do you navigate, how do you navigate that? Like, you know, you think about people or people will talk about like getting their kids into hunting. And for example, like my oldest son, he's just kind of like, he's in and he's out. Like sometimes he's like, all he can talk about is hunting and tags and when's the draw and all this stuff. And sometimes he's just like, I think I'm going to just not shoot anymore. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, do you, are you in or are you out? So like, there's this fine line between like really encouraging and giving those first experiences and kind of nurturing that bonding relationship between they have, um, between them and whatever you're trying to, you know, get them into. But where do you think that line is for them to have those experiences, but not to push it too far? Yeah. I think a lot of it is just like making it really fun. Um, like we've had Bradley, we took him out hunting for his first time when he was like, I don't even know, a couple months old. <laughs> and, you know, it was just kind of like a fun outing. Like we weren't obviously like doing anything too hardcore or anything like that, but just like fun, like getting him out around it. And that's kind of like always been me and Josh were just like, let's just like, we're introducing everything, but we're going to make everything so much fun. Like, and if he, if they don't, aren't into it like my family is really into like baseball and like certain sports and we would love if Bradley you know loved baseball or jiu-jitsu or hunting you know those kind of things but it's like if it's if it's not his thing we'll fully support that but he does have to have something and that's kind of what we're we both are on the same page with is whether it's like music or you know some activity he needs to have both of our kids need to have something that he 
keeps them, you know, pushing for more something that um, they're into and enjoy. And it's like, whatever it is, basketball, like that me and my husband don't really know much about. So be it, you know, that would be great. Mm -hmm. You know, just something to keep them active, something to keep them, um, keep their cup full, you know. Like that's really important to us because it's like we know how important it is to feel passion and you know a, a love for something and you know for me and my husband we're all pretty much into the same exact thing where it's like yeah we know our kids probably won't be you know quite into exactly the same things we are but even if it's just like family stuff instead of competing or um, you know just anything that they they enjoy and that they find and yeah fills their cup up we'd be happy with that I think you know it is very important to have to help nurture your kids and like help them figure out what they do like you know because Mm -hmm. exactly as we know like everybody is going to be into something different and like you might like something but your passion might be in something else and as parents I think it is our responsibility to like help them try a bunch of different things and help give them those experiences so they could be like, I love this or that's fun, but you know, I could do without it, that kind of thing. Exactly. And I kind of navigate it in the same way with my kids um, because I have a 13 year old right now who I love dearly, but could care less about anything. Um, so it's kind of interesting to like help him stay driven just like in with life in general right now with just kind of like this phase he's in I don't know if it's puberty or if it's just a normal 13 year old boy thing but like I can't really find anything that he's super like gung-ho about and so now I'm like I now I want to try different things like this is the point I think in life where I need to give him those new experiences like we're going to go to Montana and I'm going to take him fly fishing like maybe he's going to be super into fly fishing I don't know but I think we all do so much better in life when we're driven by something or when we're inspired by something that really like fills our cup big time exactly exactly and I think um and this is a little bit more personal I guess but me and my husband like his he's a police officer and my background um I lost my brother due to um, due to, uh, drugs. And so like, and that's what my husband was, he deals with. And this is kind of the age where, you know, a lot of life choices are coming at them and they're coming at them really fast. And me and my husband have both been kind of on the same page where we want our kids to be so busy and so happy and, you know, just not even think about those choices, you know, like just so wrapped up in, you know, I'm going to go hunting. I don't want to go do that or, you know, something like that. So we're, we're kind of already thinking like a little bit ahead. I don't know if that is going to be obviously life always changes and comes at us differently, but in our head while they're young right now, we're just hoping that, you know, if they get on a, a really, really solid, busy path of, I love to do this. This is our lifestyle. This is what we do. Hopefully it will keep their life choices really solid as well. Yeah, I, I would think so. You know, obviously things can can change, right? But I think when you do the best you can and you give your kids, um, you know, those uh, memories and those foundational pieces to start making good decisions and to find things that they're passionate about. And I'm no expert in this area, but I feel like it's when people get complacent or they don't have much drive or direction in life that those 
decisions are more easily like they can approach you and then you can kind of like falter in in like what's right and wrong. I think when you have a solid foundation, it's easier to stay on the right path. Right. So that's awesome. And yeah. I I love what you guys are doing. Your little family dynamic is is very inspiring. Every time I see you guys, you're out on some adventure and really just living this lifestyle and, you know, creating a life that other people's people look at and they go, I want to do that. And speaking of which, um, the topic I really want to talk with you about is getting people, specifically women, comfortable with going and hiking and climbing and doing these kind of things, even if they don't have necessarily somebody to go do it with. Because, you know, I'll go out, even this local here that we have in my area, it's called Mount Pisgah. Um, It's like the famous... Uh, mountain that Cam Haynes runs quite a bit, you know, so people will always ask me, oh, is that where Cam Haynes is at? So yes, let's just say that right off the bat. It is. But like 15 years ago, I was scared like to go and hike that by myself. I was really intimidated. There are cougars up there. There's cougars in most places in the Pacific Northwest. Um, But on top of that, there's been a decent amount of like uh, sexual assault in the Eugene area on our trail systems here. And so I think women are really cautious to go out and do things like that by themselves, like to go on a hike or to go summit the mountain or whatever. And I think it's really smart to have that caution and be really prepared for things. So I'd love to get your input on how women can like just get started with feeling comfortable to go and do some of these like hikes um, and what you would recommend that they that they do to get started. Yeah, well, I would say um, maybe just uh, baby steps at first. So maybe the first step would be to go on a trail that you're pretty familiar with, one that you kind of know. And if you don't know any, go with a friend, you know, a couple times. And then, um, during the daylight hours, not too early, you know, things like that when it's sunshine and, um, get comfortable on a, on a trail that you're generally familiar with. But, um, yeah, I would say for more, the hikes or the climbs that are um, a little less populated and you're going at wee hours of the morning because that's usually what I'm doing. I'm going at, you know, uh, right at sunup and um, generally there's nobody on the trail or, or something like that. And I actually always carry with me in my pack, um, and that's just me, just because it gives me um, – I have my concealed weapons permit and it just gives me a little bit of, of confidence while I'm running trail and I just have it really easily accessible in my hydration pack. But some other stuff is just be super prepared. Um, you know, I always have water. I always have a headlamp. I always have a knife and a lighter. Those are just general things and snacks and water, very general things that I always have in my pack. So basically anything that comes at me, I feel pretty confident that I can, I'm going to make it back one way or another, whether it's, yeah, a cougar encounter or, you know, some person living in the woods that, you know, um, whatever it is, break my leg, I'll hopefully be able to make it back okay, you know, um, or at least reach help or, or survive if I have to, if I have to stay put. So it's just mostly preparation. Just know what you're getting into, know the weather that you're going, um, like the day that you're going to be hiking or running. Um, 
know the weather, know um, a general area where you're going to be, make sure somebody knows where you're going to be as well, and like generally what time you'll be back. That's actually a major one. I think that's, I, I'm sure a lot of people have heard that before, but it's, it's one of those things that I think people go out and be like, oh, I'll be fine, you know, and then even if it's just like your, your car runs out of gas, most of those places don't always have service, so... Yeah, those are some really, really big tips um, and things to think about because I think, especially if you're coming from a background where you haven't done a lot of hiking or solo adventuring, sometimes we just like necessarily don't think about those things like telling somebody when you'll be back, right? Or looking ahead to where you're going, like, is there going to be a gas station? Are you full? Do you have a lighter? Um, can you, you know, do you have all of the things that you need in the, in the worst case scenario, essentially? Exactly. And it's, it's easy to overlook that because you're like, oh, I'm just going to go out on this, you know, five mile hike or this 10 mile hike or whatever it is. And I'm guilty of doing the same thing. And I've done it way more than I should even after the fact and knowing that, hey, I, I ended up, so one time I ended up getting lost on a hunt. I was hunting in the coast range by myself. I mapped it out. I'd been in the area one other time, but I thought I'm literally just going to go on like this four mile hike. It will be totally fine. I threw like a water bottle or maybe two of the little um, 12 ounce water bottles in my pack. Didn't have a lighter. Didn't have I mean, didn't have anything, Krista. And I was like, I'm I'm just going out for a little bit. Like, I've been hunting my entire life. It'll be fine. So I looked at the maps ahead of time. I knew the, the route I wanted to take and where I would pop out and confirmed on the map that there was a road there. And typical to Oregon weather, it started downpouring and it ended up being a pretty nasty day. It wasn't super cold. It was chilly, but... I mean, I was soaked to the bones. I could have taken my clothes off and just completely wrung them out. So I didn't look at the weather, obviously. But as I'm coming back up this ridge, right on track with where I'm supposed to be, I pop out to where the roads looks like it's, you know, out on the map and it's not there. So I walk a little bit further and I'm kind of like trekking around. I'm looking, you know, for signs that there, you know, might be a cut bank or something. And I'm like, there's no freaking road here. But what there was was like a super old skid road that was like wasn't even a road anymore. You could just tell like at one point, many, many, many years ago, it was a skid road where they did some logging. And I was like, oh, it's just an old road on this map. So I sat there for a while and I was like, well, I could, I didn't mark my car. So there's another mistake. I didn't mark, mark where my car was. And I was like, I can just try to pop out and like navigate it from up here. Or I can just backtrack, whatever. I'll just backtrack. Think it'll be easy enough. Long story short, I start down this ridge and um, true to Oregon fashion, it's it's extremely steep. I mean, it's you almost kind of just have to like hold and slide in some places because the, the needles and the underbrush and stuff is just so thick that you don't really have good footing. So I'm going down and the sun's, you know, starting to go down and I look over to my left and there's a meadow and I'm like, I never passed a meadow. Like there shouldn't be a meadow right there. Like, why is there a meadow right there? And I lost service on my phone because I was kind of diving back into this, the lower part of this like little um, drainage. And I was like, this isn't good. I'm soaking wet. I have literally nothing. It's been like hours, like five or six hours I've been out here hunting and the sun's going to go down. I know that road should have been down there. So I stood there and like for the first time in my life, I felt a panic attack and I had never experienced it before. 
And all of a sudden, I like started like wheezing and I couldn't catch my breath and my legs were shaking and I was exhausted. Like I was pretty physically tired from the hike, but I was just like so mentally overwhelmed. I was like, I knew like I just had this moment where I was like, you have to make a decision right now to pull your head out of your butt, because if you don't like it's over, you're staying here tonight and I really don't want to stay here tonight. So I knew that if I continued to go back down into this drainage, it would probably just continue down like fingering in with another one. And I would end up like in the middle of the wilderness somewhere. So I was like, at worst case scenario, if I go back up, I know that I at least pop back into service somewhere up there. And there's got to be a road system that will cut back in at some point, or I wandered my car or I'm up on the top of the mountain and not at the bottom either way. So I like turned around and I like made my way back up and I passed where I was before by like 75 yards, maybe. And there was my road. It was just like not accurate on the map. And it was farther than even kind of where I went to explore. And I was like, this is the moment where I need to make sure from now on, I have all of the things that I need that I mark my car when I leave that I always have a lighter, you know, like you have to plan for that worst case scenario, because when you don't, it's when you really need those things or those supplies or whatever. Exactly. So. Exactly. And that's actually one of the, that story just reminded me that I feel like the one thing that I always have packed that we actually use pretty often is, is a headlamp because especially out hunting, as you know, you don't really know how the day is going to go. You don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, you might harvest an animal you might not but usually it's pretty close to dark when we do that you know so it's always like especially hunting you know it's always a good idea like we always have our at least you know like headlamps or you know just all those different things but that's the one that I'm always telling especially new time hikers like a headlamp is always a that's the one that I feel like I'm using all the time. <laughs> yeah. Even if I don't, you know, if, if I don't think I'm going to be out after dark, I still always bring it, you know, it's like you never know. Well, and it's so funny because I think a lot of times we'll just like, for me personally, I know I'll just skimp. I'll be like, oh, I won't need it. Right. But it's right. like, it's never, you never are in the moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like I need a headlamp or I need a lighter, or I wish I had my sidearm that, that you're like, oh, well, I just wanted to save weight or I just wanted to save time or I didn't really care to pack it. It's like you, you'll you never regret having it when you need it. And so I definitely think that there should be like an essentials pack that you have, you know, always with you. And it can be like maybe even, you know, the items can be in like a smaller little bag that you just transfer over if you're switching in and out of packs. Because I know some people will put it in one pack and they're like, oh, well, I grabbed the other one and it wasn't in there. So like if you can make an essentials pack to like take out with you. If, if you did that, uh, Krista, and I'm sure you do do that. What, what are those items that you take every time with you? So I always have headlamps. That's probably like the number one. I always make sure the batteries are good as well, or have extra batteries because especially like when I'm doing a climb or, you know, whatever, it's like, that's probably like the one thing that, you know, people don't really think about are those, those batteries um lighter definitely lighter um or some sort of fire source whether it's a fire starter or something like that you know food like whether it's um a couple snacks or or a sandwich you know something some sort of food and I actually usually always keep a couple snacks in the bag like um 
you know, the little honey stinger bites or, you know, something like that. Um, little first aid. I'm not talking like big first aid. I'm talking just like a little, little, like a couple, like an ibuprofen and, you know, just one of those tiny, tiny little kits that like literally just slides in because some people are like, oh, a first aid kit. And the big one's like, no, like tiny, like just the one that has like one of a couple things in it, you know, just in case. And actually water purifier, um, some sort of water purifier. I actually carry like the straw in mind just mm-hmm. because it's like really convenient. A lot of people carry like the tablets. Um, and a little sun, like a little, little sunscreen. I just always have a little sunscreen because I feel like that's like always needed. I usually bring a big bottle as well, but in my essentials, like basically the little pack that I have no matter what. So that way if I forget something or whatever, you know, it's like I have that. So I know I have sunscreen because that's always one that um, me or usually somebody else will forget to bring like a bigger bottle of. But those are kind of just like my personal essentials. Um, But there's other things that, you know, are incredibly important as well. But those are just like the things that will make it get you through, you know, get you through your, your hike if you actually have to. Definitely. And I really love it because Krista has put together a little checklist of items. If you're going on like a, just a general basic hike, if you're going to be doing some more extended, like mountaineering items, like depending on what you're doing, Krista's put together a little checklist. So I will link to that in the show notes. So thanks for doing that very much. Um, that'll be really helpful for people as they're trying to decide, you know, what specifically, and I think sometimes too, you just kind of forget, you know, if you're not thinking about it, it's easy to like run off and not bring extra batteries or an extra pair of socks or whatever. So, um, another thing that you did list in the checklist too, and I think is really important is either taking a GPS or some sort of a mapping system where you can mark pivotal areas. So even if you're not tracking your entire hike or climb, I think if you can, especially in transition areas, if you can mark like, you know, hey, I I went this way at, you know, this transition spot, it's nice because sometimes depending on, you know, the time of day you're going, if you're going before light and then you're coming back during the day or vice versa, it's easy for terrain features to look very different. And something I've heard quite often is that people will just get like, you know, turned around or they'll get to a landmark and they're like, no, this doesn't look like that. And I've done that myself too on climbs where you get back to something and you're like, it looked totally different. But when you're coming from a different direction and depending on what the terrain is, where you are, sometimes it can really throw you off. Absolutely. Yes. That's like actually a huge one because, you know, people, when you're, scrambling up the mountain or you know um whatever it's just you're not really paying attention so much to what you're passing as to the next step you know so you're not really paying attention to um like what direction you're really heading or or things like that whereas on the way back you're you're paying a little bit more attention as to okay like which way am I going like where where's the where's the route you know you're trying to stay on route and I feel like it is a little harder on the way back because you didn't pay as close of attention on the way up I don't really know but yeah things look so much different on the way back so much different they do you just have to um basically just know that I mean obviously when we just did Helen's you can see like how how easy it is to just get off course or off you know off route and it's like wow did we pass this so like you know it just 
it's so easy, especially on the way down, because you, you know, need to try to remember um, if you don't carry a GPS. Because I've been one of those people, I actually am usually with people that have a GPS, especially in climbing. Um, and it's usually like a like a beacon just for um, more for a, if we actually need help or we got caught in an avalanche or something like that. But um, I've personally totally guilty of this. I've never owned a GPS. And, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things I, I feel like if I, if I really need it, I'll mark some trees or mark, you know, not on the mountain, but like mark, try to mark my area or pay attention as best I can. And I'm pretty good at it. But yeah, once in a while you'll just get caught in conversation if you're with a group or you know something like that. And it's just really easy to get, you know, distracted and then have no idea which direction you came from. So yeah, that's a huge one though. For sure. And we kind of did that, um, on this last trip when we went up South sister and you and the girls from Washington had to cut out, um, a little bit before we did. So we were coming back. It was the five of us and it's so much different in the snow. And previous to this trip, I didn't really think about that so much. Cause you think, well, like, yeah, you follow the tracks, like it'll be fine. But and in an area that's so vast, especially coming across those flats there, um, getting towards the end, you're not necessarily walking on people's tracks, right? So I think it's really easy in the snow to, for one, you don't typically, unless there's markers that you can see, you're just kind of cutting your own way in and out. Right. So the yeah. snow, snow definitely changes things. Fog can also be another thing which we experienced on Helen's. Um, you couldn't see, I mean, our visibility was extremely low. So being able to have those referencing points for, you know, the direction that you're going and, and, you know, making sure you're staying on, on point on trail can be extremely difficult. Like, and obviously the weather is something that you should look ahead to, but you don't always know when those systems are going to come in. No. And that's, yeah, that's another good point is like, I always, so I have a puffy jacket, um, that is also a rain jacket and I pretty much carry that everywhere I go what you know as far as like um climbing or anything because that way I've got a warm jacket and a rain jacket if I ever need it and it's it's just one of those items even if it's a sunny day I bring it I bring it I never leave it you know it's because um, you never know, especially in the mountains you just have zero idea it could say that it's going to be a bluebird day all day zero chance of anything and I still bring it just because it's like you just never know never know how fast weather comes in you know it's just the mountains are I mean things can change in seconds up there so they really can so even looking at the Mount St. Helens trip that we did last month I guess it was almost two months ago now um we looked ahead at the weather and it said 18 degree wind chill you know it said a small amount of precipitation but it wasn't anything like what we got up there, which was negative eight degree wind chill, pouring rain, right. which I didn't even know could happen <laughs> in a negative degree um, wind chill factor. But um, yeah, so it was it was crazy and it was good to be. I think, you know, most of us were prepared for that. It wasn't super pleasant, but having those things makes that doable because there's definitely a, a dangerous, you know, danger factor that happens when you get up there, that weather system moves in and you're not prepared for those things. Well, especially, yeah, like hypothermia and things like that. Cause it's, I mean, we're moving, but I don't know. My body was not really warming up after we got cold. So it was kind of starting to 
for the girls that weren't prepared starting to become a little bit of a thought in my mind. But, yeah. But I know we were moving pretty quick down and, and we would get warmer pretty fast. But yeah, it's like, especially for people that, you know, didn't have the rain gear or anything. It's like, man, I was soaked and I had rain gear on. So <laughs> can imagine. I but. remember looking down kind of after we stopped for a little bit, my um, quad seized up on me coming down off the mountain. And so I kind of paused for a minute and I was like, I have to get going. Like we all have to get going as soon as we can. Cause just standing here, I was looking around and the girls were shivering so bad. And yeah. um, one of the girls didn't have um, a pair of gloves. And so, yeah, like we were all soaked, but it's one of those things where it's, I think it's easy to just go like, I'm exhausted or I want to sit down or I want to stop, but you do have to keep, you really have to pace yourself and making sure that you're climbing safely, especially when you're on the de- descent, but that you're also moving at a rate that's going to keep your body and core temperature up high enough. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That was, that was definitely an adventure though. And I think, especially for the girls that had never climbed a mountain before, <laughs> Um, I had one girl actually say that she was completely done. She didn't want to do it ever again. So, which I feel like I totally respect it, but I feel like if you can get through that one, you can get through anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I was going to say maybe she'll get get to go next year and it'll be a bluebird day again oh I would hope so definitely I hope that she gives it another shot but it was yeah yeah, it was some of those conditions that day were just kind of like okay I'm good (laughs) I don't know why people climb but this is not for me it's easy to see that but so there's a definite line between going on a hike and you know transitioning into more mountaineering and what I've realized is that I've never done like a true mountaineering expedition. I wouldn't, wouldn't say, wouldn't qualify myself for that, but I've gone on some pretty good hikes. Um, most of them have been with you now. (laughs) And so I definitely have the bug for that. I really want to do that. I want to do more of that kind of mountaineering style. I really liked Helen's, um, South sister was fun. I like it when you have to get a little bit more technical and have more gear. Um, but where would you say is a good resource for people who may have, a good history with like doing some good climbs. They've got, you know, their fitness level is, is on point to where they're going to be able to do it safely. Like how does somebody transition from being like this kind of like just everyday hiker to doing some of these expeditions? Is it going with a guide? Is it doing research and learning on your own? What would you suggest? Um, well, I would always suggest maybe doing one with a guide. Um, there's also like a couple mountaineering schools. Um, and that's actually what I did. I actually did, um, when I got the itch for climbing in my past, um, and I was, I moved to Alaska and I didn't really have the, um, the climbers, you know, around me as much like familiar climbers, I should say. Like I had a couple of very, very like acquaintance type friends up there, but I didn't really feel comfortable climbing with them. And I wanted the confidence to go by myself or me be the guide. So I actually took a school, um, and it was two weeks, um, all on, you know, the Chattanooga, Chattanooga Glacier in Alaska, and was able to summit numerous peaks and things like that, and it was, I think it was a little over two weeks, but, um, oh man, we did crevasse rescue, all those kinds of things, and so it's like, if you're really adamant, really want to get confident in going into the mountains and possibly guiding you know, your friends or something like that, that's a really good way to go. Um, but I know a lot of people don't have 
the time or, or money to do something like that. But, um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend a guide, have them take you and they'll give you like basic knowledge and get you up and down the mountain safely. Um, I think a lot of it is just knowing the time to go to like a lot of people don't realize that when you summit, like let's say Rainier, you're actually leaving for the summit around midnight and people don't realize that, um, the reason for that is because you want the snow to be compact. You can't be crossing an ice bridge over a crevasse in the heat of the day because the chances of that, you know, ice bridge breaking is a lot higher. Um, so, you know, I, I think that opened my eyes, you know, when I first climbed Rainier, for instance, and I did that with a couple of very experienced climbers um, on, wow, Midnight is, like, the perfect time to start climbing a mountain, you know. And you can't see a whole lot going up. Um, but the way down, so you basically reach the summit at, you know, 7 a.m. And on the way down, you see everything that you passed. And it is just unreal. It is amazing. Um, but, yeah, anyways, I would definitely not recommend just going out by yourself and trying it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's pretty much every time I've been on a mountaineering trip um i've witnessed a lot, not like firsthand but when i was on the mountain somebody has passed like when i was on hood somebody died when i was on rainier both times um last year somebody's died you know and it just really opens your eyes as to i was even on whitney which isn't even a very technical climb and somebody died and it's just like man it really opens your eyes for yeah, I mean, the things that can happen, just, and most of those are just falls, you just bad footing, so, um, and that can happen to anybody, you just got to be really careful, and I think it just takes a couple times in the mountains to realize, okay, this is good footing, and getting confident with that, and making sure that you're, yeah, not going to fall into grass, or fall into your head on a rock, or, you know, something like that. That's a really good point because for me, I, I'm definitely an observer and I like to see and I like to know, but I think until you get in those situations and scenarios where you're looking at maybe a crossing or you're looking at your route and trying to figure out which one is the best or safest way, if you don't have experience or somebody that does have experience to say like, that's a yes, that's a no, or this is how you would, this is the angle that you would cross over here. I think it's really important to have that information rather than just trying to figure it out once you're there. Um, so I think having a guide is, is really a, a good choice, a really good choice right. until somebody gets their, their feet wet and really learns to understand and navigate that on their own. I would love to take that mountaineering school. That sounds like so much fun, Krista. It is amazing. And I actually very much so recommend it. Like I, I, oh my gosh, I took away so much, even like some lifelong friends from that, that schooling. It was just an experience. Like, you know, we hit, um, like 70 to 80 mile an hour winds and we got in avalanches. Like I experienced the most insane, I don't know. It just, I feel very confident going into the mountains and it's like, I owe it all that schooling. It was just unreal. And that's when you really know, like, your gear matters. Like, what you're packing is life or death, you know? Exactly. Wow. Super cool. 
Gosh, what an experience. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. And I do want to circle back to like this every day getting out and about because I want women specifically to feel the confidence to go out and start running on their own or start doing these little hikes on their own. And I think a few really good things to mention. Number one, you need to be aware of your surroundings. And I think having like headphones are great, but maybe just one earbud. Um, sometimes I'll be running and I'll see girls, they're running head down and they've got, you know, beats on or something. So both of their ears are covered and it's like, you can't hear anything, a car, a person, a dog, you know? So if you can be more aware of your surroundings, um, let somebody know where you're going and when you'll be back, even if that's to your mom in another state, just to say, Hey, I'm going out on Amazon trail. I'll be back around three, just something to let somebody know. If you don't show back up, you know, where to start looking for you. Um, yeah, try to go during daylight hours. Obviously, you want to miss, you know, if it's going to be a super hot day, miss the heat of the day. But make sure that you're going, you know, not at dawn or not at dusk. And if you can, get somebody to go with you. Yep, exactly. Um, do you have but, any other words of advice or um, recommendation for women who are just going out on some simpler, smaller, shorter duration hikes or runs? Um, the only other thing I would say is, you know, always bring some sort of top layer. Um, I know that's kind of more of a simple one, but yeah, like I said before, you just never know like what you're going to really run into. Um, even if it's just like a long sleeve shirt on a hot day, I don't think some people realize like how, um, if there is snow or anything like that, just how brutal the sun can be. Mm -hmm. So just some sort of top layer to cover up. Awesome. That's that's something that I've needed way too many times. So <laughs> yeah, and sunglasses because oh my, my glasses, gosh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, it's... especially on that snow. So the snow is just oh man, that's super brutal. It is brutal, and I have um, my eyes are kind of like light green, so they're extremely sensitive. And I'll get in places like even just outside on a regular day where my eyes, I like literally can't open my eyes because the sun hurts them so much. So yeah. um, that's something that can definitely change the course of a, of a hike or a summit if you, you know, if you're having trouble seeing. So the snow glare though yeah. too. And something, something, um, and it's, this is one thing I never really think to mention, um, but uh, if I were a new hiker, a lot of people bring like a water bottle. Um, and I, I just always try, like to mention that there are packs and, um, hydration bladders that make drinking water a little bit easier. Um, like I said, like some of my girlfriends that are just getting into hunting, uh, or hiking, hunting, mountaineering. Um, I just always like to mention that I drink more water out of my hydration bladder than if I was to, like bring a Nalgene and put it in my backpack. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So I always like to just mention that just because it's, I feel like you just sip, you know, a lot, a lot more, a lot more often. You stay a little bit more hydrated that way. You get a hydration bladder. I would agree 100%. And I'm really guilty. Like I have the knowledge base of, of understanding hydration and re replenishing electrolytes, but I'm 
really guilty of not drinking, especially if it's cold. If the conditions are cold, Mm -hmm. even if I'm like, you know, sweating or if I'm, you know, working really hard, I have a hard time stopping to take in water. Um, And so I agree with you 100% that having a bladder where you can just, you know, put the straw to your mouth and you're drinking and you're staying hydrated is a lot easier than like even having to reach back and pull it out of a pocket or unsnap your pack to take it out. I'm curious, Krista, do you also take a Nalgene with you when you go? Or, I mean, I think it would be easier, especially in a snowpack condition, to be able to just pack a bunch of snow into your Nalgene um, to save it to to hydrate later. Or do you... Do you have a preference on that? Um, sometimes I have, like, my jet boil that I'll bring, like, some sort of, you know, little, um, we call it a little camp stove or, you know, something that I bring with me on a mountaineering trip. And I just, yeah, I just boil water. But if I'm not, if it's just more of, like, a day hike or something like that, um, yeah, usually I just bring an extra, like, water bottle or two or, you know, something like that and then just refill my bladder. Mm-hmm. But um, but that's if I don't really know if there's, like, a water source or anything like that that um, I'll be able to, to refill. But, yeah, I would just say, like, just, you know, if you don't know the area very well or, or don't know if you're going to be running across, like, a, a clean water source or, you know, you don't have like a water purifying tablets or something like that. Just bring an extra bottle or two of water. It's like, I, I don't know. Hydration's worth every ounce. Some people are really, really sticklers about, about their weight pack, but I just like to make sure that I've always got the water when I need it. So. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to go without, especially if, if there isn't a water source or another way to fill up while you're there, it's better to have too okay. much than not enough. Exactly. And yeah, if you are going to be taking snow straight from um, like the route or something like that, just make sure you're going off route just a little, little way of grabbing snow from a different, you know, just off, off route a little bit. You never know who's been stomping or, you know, going to the bathroom or stuff like that in the snow or Things yeah, like because just because it's snow does not protect you from like a water uh, borne illness, like right or bacteria exactly. that's brewing in that. So yeah, good point on that as well. So what's next for you, Krista? Um, well, next is Mount Adams with you, Courtney, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm really excited about. I'm excited for um, that that's too. That's actually one of the mountains in Washington, pretty much one of the the last of the the bigger peaks in Washington, at least, that are one of my goals, because, you know, now that I've done Rainier and Baker and Helen's, you know, I'm just, I'm pretty eager to do Adams, so, yeah, I'm pretty pumped for that. That's going to be a fun one. I think if I remember correctly, the route's around, like, 11 and a half or 11 and a half plus um, miles. We climbed at 12,200 and something feet. Um, we'll probably start really early on that one, too. It sounds like we get to lunch counter um, early and leave there. I don't know what time. You'll you'll probably have an earlier idea than I will. I'll be like, uh, can we push it out a little bit? <laughs> no, I'll be good with if we want to sleep a little extra. But, yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be super fun. So I'll be perfect. Yes, it's going to be awesome. About 6,700 feet of, of uh, ascent. And I hear the glissading shoots are phenomenal. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Can't wait. 
Cool. Well, thanks again for getting on with me today. I'm definitely going to make sure to link to the resources, the checklists that you have. Um, So see those in the show notes. And thanks again for doing that, Krista. I really appreciate it. Um, I know that people will want to follow up with some questions, especially with your knowledge base of mountaineering and climbing. So where can they reach out and get a hold of you? Um, Probably the best way would be my Instagram, actually. Um, So it's just the underscore American K, American underscore K, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really sad when you forget your uh, Instagram handle. But um, yeah, I think it's underscore American underscore K. And that's probably the best way to reach me. Um, Or, I mean, find me on Facebook and message me or, you know, really anyway. Um, But... I, this is like my passion. I love, 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 love helping others with climbing and things like that. So, um, do not, I guess my one thing to say to everybody is like, don't be afraid to ask me any sort of questions. Like I'm pretty good at understanding like where beginners are and, you know, just something as simple as putting on crampons like like I really find joy in helping someone even just like put on crampons you know it's just it's something that I really just enjoy so and I love to share with people so any questions are great perfect sounds good I would definitely take her up on reaching out and asking those questions and uh yeah well maybe we'll have to do some like uh Q&A and do some videos to go over a few of those things with you the next time we're together that would be great. That would be awesome. Well, Krista, you you are a badass and you inspire me every single day. I hope the rest of your week is fantastic. And thanks again for jumping on with me. Oh, thanks so much, Courtney. I appreciate it. All right. This is just your reminder that coming up next week, we will be diving more into nutrition and specifically what you need to feel your body properly, to recover, and to optimize your experience, whether you're on uh, just a regular backpacking trip or if you're going into the backcountry to hunt. That episode will be live next Monday with Jaden Bells of Backcountry Fuel. I also want to let you know you can jump over to the checklist in the show notes. You'll also see a link there to Ladies Weekend if you are looking forward to or interested in coming to Ladies Weekend here with us. August 3rd and 4th in Fall Creek, Oregon. No matter what you're doing today, I want to remind you to live inspired, to follow your passions, and to never apologize for living the life that you want. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration, some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.